0: Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Arjit. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, a first-time guest, but somebody who's very knowledgeable and who's been both writing about cricket as well as um, covering cricket in terms of commentary and other other ways. So, hello Rahul. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi Ajit and thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: I also use this to make some friends sometimes but also reach out to people who follow cricket in different parts of the world. So let's start there. So you are in the corner of the world, if the world were to have a corner, New Zealand. How is New Zealand treating you?
1: Absolutely, like um, we often say in New Zealand that our distance from the rest of the world is is our boon. Um, But then when it comes to watching cricket that's played in the rest of the world, it sometimes turns out to be a curse because of the time difference. Mm -hmm. Um, But now New Zealand's been treating me really well. Uh, Been here for the last 12 years, played cricket here, umpired cricket here. um, Started writing about cricket, got opportunities to do some commentary. um, And um, yeah, just uh, building a nice little alternative career for myself, doing what I absolutely love doing. So it's great.
0: This is fantastic to hear. So in that way, I think you're my role model. You sort of, sort of <laughs> taken the steps that I would one day want to take as well. In either case, um, you told me you were able to do a commentary gig on or cover the T20 World Cup last year. Can you take us through the experiences, how that was?
1: Yeah, um, it came about because uh, I work full time um, as a banker and uh, I got a two-year stint in the Cook Islands that I um, through work and Mm -hmm. I went there and I lived there. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was there, I got an opportunity to write for the local newspaper which is called the Cook Island News and um, I started writing articles for them, cricket related stuff Mm
0: -hmm. and then
1: through that an opportunity came up of um, covering the T20 World Cup in Australia. Um, So I had to actually fundraise for that trip of mine ah. so because as you know going to australia to cover a world cup um, is quite expensive so mm-hmm. uh, especially because you know you've got to fly everywhere and i had to stay in hotels etc so yeah i've actually went to the market found a sponsor the paper was generous enough to help me by giving them some free advertising space for the amount of money that they donated towards my trip mm-hmm. so yeah, it kind of worked out. I also got a gig doing some radio work for a radio station in Auckland, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Radio Tarana. So I did a bit of work for them. So they paid a little bit of money for that. And um, that's how that whole trip came together. So I uh, went to Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane and covered a whole lot of New Zealand, Australia games because that essentially was my reader base. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a couple of India games as well. Nice. So I did the India-Bangladesh game um, in the World, T20 World Cup. So I was in Adelaide when that happened. The famous one which rain interrupted and India turned that game around. Right. And that uh, lovely direct hit by KL Rahul from the deep um, to get, uh, I think it was uh, Liton Das who got run out. <laughs> Then that turned the game in india yeah. so i was there at the ground i was fantastic. also at the ground to watch <laughs> i was also at the ground to watch india get beaten in that semi final by uh, england so yeah that wow. it was uh, it's been an experience of a lifetime to be honest i've never done anything like that in my life and it was fantastic um, to sit in the media box and you know um, chat to people that you've read about chat to people that you've Uh, idolized right throughout your career and uh, it's a surreal experience it's also quite um, I don't know you know when when you're a cricket fan and you tend to have idols and you tend to look at cricketers and with starry eyes but when you're in a media box and cricketers are roaming around you left right and center (laughs) um, that whole starry Mm eyedness reduces a lot because you just tend to look at them like your colleagues like you are in the left somewhere and you know uh, ravi shastri could be next to you and wow. you are <laughs> you are in the line um grabbing some food to eat and mm-hmm. uh, mike michael clark is behind you and um, nice. so <laughs> yeah the, it kind of um, and they are also really nice individuals um, because they make you feel very welcome, and even the rest of the colleagues that I were around me, a lot of them actually didn't know where the Cook Islands was. So, on my name tag, when it said Rahul Patel, Cook Island News, they mm-hmm. used to look at it and say, "Cook Islands? Is that exactly. near the Caribbean?" <laughs> and um, might as well be. Been...
0: It's far away from anything <laughs> else, right? So okay. Yeah,
1: it is. It is in the middle of nowhere. So it used to create a conversation starter and so it was a it was a great experience and a life-changing one sometimes you know when you when you when you are not sure whether this is the right thing for me to do in life and you get an opportunity like that and I was there for about um, five weeks covering that whole world cup and at the end end of five weeks um, I didn't feel tired at all you know and normally if you are at work and you're working for five continuous weeks, you tend right. to get a bit of fatigue and you're like, I want to do something else or something like that. But this didn't feel like that. And that kind of trip kind of sealed it for me, wherein I realized, like, this is what I want to do. You know, and I need to work harder to, to make this into a full time career because it doesn't feel like a job at all.
0: Right. I mean, that's when you know, you know, that's the right thing for yeah. you. you. When you love your job, yeah. it's not a job. Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, couldn't agree with you more
0: perfect so it's it's a nice story it's a very I, I must say an inspiring story to go on find some money for yourself get some funding so that you can pursue your dream and actually follow cricket for five weeks as a whole world cup unfolded that's a fantastic fantastic thing to do so well well done and i uh, hope you as i said uh, you may also get more opportunities i hear are you going to india this year again to try and cover it
1: Yes, yes. So this time, uh, as you know, I'm already writing for a New Zealand-based website called Sports Freaks. So I am in talks with um, quite a a well-known radio broadcaster in New Zealand. Um, And hopefully uh, by this time next week, I should uh, have some good news on that front. Fantastic. Um, So I will be... Covering for that. I'm also still in talks with Radio Tarana. I did some work with them for the T20 World Cup. So they're quite keen to do some work with me again for the ODI World Cup. I'm also talking to a couple of news agencies here uh, for the writing side of it because um, I've realized that um, gone are the days when you can just be one trick pony. You know, you as a media person, you uh, people expect you to do different things like. Uh, do some radio analysis. Do some Facebook videos. Do some writing. So there's a whole lot of um, uh, avenues in in media, and I'm trying to kind of um, dip my feet into all of them. One thing I've realized is never say no to anything. If someone says, "Hey, can you do this?" Just say yes, and learn on the job. <laughs> because nice, nice, yeah. Because uh, you tend to nobody is born with skills that are perfect. You know, you've got to learn and. Uh, Like, when I started writing, I had no experience writing, but I see my first article and I see my articles now and I myself can see that there's been a huge um, change in the way I write and the way I think about the game and the way I present what my my thoughts are. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a uh, matter of uh, saying, yep, I can do it and then finding ways and means to do things better. So, yeah, I will be definitely going to India. It's just that the thankfully the schedule is finally out <laughs> and um, and now well, i can i can get booking so <laughs> let's yeah, start that's... right there
0: you know the <laughs> schedule came out only this week it's ridiculously yeah. late considering you know other tournaments release the schedule a year ahead of time to allow fans to plan their travel and so on also professionals right like yourself so in this yeah. case how much of a hassle is it now that you start looking for bookings flights and so on
1: It's a a massive, massive hassle. I mean, we all know that if you book in advance, you tend to save a lot more money than when you book closer to the time. And as a freelance journalist at the moment, I know what sort of budget constraints there are that you need to follow and adhere to. So it would be great if things could be finalized in advance um, so that's one side of it I think the other side of it is it also depends on which team you're following so I'm following the black caps around for the World Cup um, so mm. from from that point of view uh, um, and I had a quick look at the venues and the hotels and everything and nothing's changed but a lot of my friends who are following India around have mm-hmm. already started complaining that the moment the draw got released yesterday and finalized, Hotel prices have gone up in those cities, you know, flights have been completely booked. So those kind of logistical issues definitely come with big teams like India and, and uh, the same with Pakistan. Bangladesh mm-hmm. has a massive following and they've got a massive media contingent also that follows that team around. So teams like that will find it really difficult to, to get. But I think thankfully, the as far as the black caps are concerned, they, as always, they always go under the radar, and uh, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> um, somehow make it to the semi-finals of every world tournament that they play in. So yeah, I think I think we'll be all right. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not the best timing from from the ICC or BCCf BCCI for that matter.
0: So I mean, let's start right there again. So will Kane Williamson make the t- tournament? You think from New Zealand perspective?
1: Funny you should ask that because just yesterday there was a video that was released of him training in the gym and and uh, he had a bit of a media interaction uh-huh. saying he's, he's giving himself the best chance um, he's sticking to his plans and, and things are working out really well um, I think uh, from what I gather um, it's unlikely that he'll be available for game one but there could be a chance that he might be available say for the second half or the last quarter of the tournament towards the mm-hmm. business end of the tournament as we call it um, but then he if he does play he'll go in really raw he won't have any match practice when he goes in um, mm-hmm. but then he is Kane williamson you know he is um the best batsman to come out of new zealand for a long long time mm-hmm. so it'll really be up to himself i think and the team management whether they want to take that risk uh, my gut feel is that he will travel with the team, if not as a player, as, as a mentor. And mm-hmm. um, I think he will be around, and they will closely monitor his his um, match fitness. And if there is a chance of playing him in a, you don't know in a long tournament, you know somebody else gets injured, and if Williamson is 90 percent fit and good to go, you mm-hmm. never know what might happen. So yeah, he could be a late inclusion in that side. That's what I feel. All right.
0: I mean, I don't want to go into the New Zealand side statistics or side composition set it's early enough, but just from the fixtures, if you were to look, New Zealand opened the tournament playing against England. Bit of irony there, just to remind what happened in the last such a final game, right? And then absolutely. Uh, yeah, somebody absolutely had a sense of
1: yeah no, but that's what they normally do. don't the last yeah. two finals always open the World Cup the yes, next time yes, around? yes. Yeah. I know yeah.
0: I know, but yeah. I mean it's usually also just a way for a continuity you know of the story, so to say. but if you are if you are a New Zealand cricketer who actually played in that game, you might have a different recollection of it so and so on. and then they well they play the qualifier one, right and then they play Bangladesh so okay, it sort of sets them up. And then they play Afghanistan. I'm just looking at it. So from venue's perspective and other things, anything that jumps out for you? I mean, looking at the whole uh, fixtures might be a bit much, but at least if you are following a New Zealand team, anything particularly jump out at you when you look at the itinerary of New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great draw for them, to be honest. Um, they've, mm-hmm. they They're only playing in six venues, unlike India, right. who's playing in nine out of the ten which mm-hmm. means they're not traveling as much as the other teams are. So they've got two games in Bangalore, they've got two games in Chennai, um, mm. and they've got two games in Dharmasala. So I, I think like. uh, from a, a continuity point of view, playing at the same ground twice um, is, is is always good. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they'll enjoy the conditions up the, up in the north of the country. I think if you take out Chennai, uh, they've got a game in Pune as well. So Pune, yeah. Yeah. So they'll enjoy playing on those wickets. You know, they're true wickets, they're hard wickets. Um, and for white ball cricket, uh, I'm sure the pitches will be full of runs and and quick pitches. So um yeah, I think New Zealand's actually got a got a very decent draw. Um, mm-hmm. they've not had the best of luck leading up, apart from Williamson, Michael Bracewell has also been ruled out. Correct. So, they'll, they'll need all the luck they get uh, to kind of um, put their best foot forward in this tournament. And getting a draw like that is 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 something that's a red, very suitable for them at this stage at least.
0: So, look, in this case, they end the league stages, they play Pakistan and they play the second qualifier. Those are the last two games for so them in Bangalore. So, playing a qualifier at the end, do you think that gives them a little bit of an advantage if there is any net run rate or other considerations?
1: Yeah, the f- funny aspect though is the qualifiers could be teams like Sri Lanka and, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, Zimbabwe probably. And I Zimbabwe, so. you know, so yeah. they're not um, minnows by any chance. You know, they're good teams. No. And mm-hmm. um, so yeah, um, I think we'll be discrediting um, those two teams if we th- if we say that there's a chance that New Zealand could up their net run rate uh, against mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Um, in a long tournament like that, you've, you've got to be careful at every stage, you know. And uh, cricket's a funny game. When you have the chance, you have to drive home that advantage. If you have a chance of winning big, you've got to press on that accelerator and try and win big. And when if you're in a position that you're going to lose a game, you just have to try to make sure you don't lose it by a massive margin. That leaves okay. you too much to do. So I think there'll be... Um, every team watches out for net run rates nowadays. So... It, it, it is an advantage playing in Bangalore, small ground. You know, mm. if you're chasing, you can chase anything over there. We've seen that in the IPL. So, yeah, um, it's, a, it's it's not a bad draw for them. It's, it's a really good draw.
0: Okay. Now, we just briefly touched upon the qualifiers. I think we should just quickly get into it. The World Cup qualifiers are, well, the league stages are done. So, the Super Sixers have been identified. So, let's start there. Any surprises in the teams that have composed the super six for you?
1: Um, I think Ireland is a big, uh, big uh, disappointment. You mm-hmm. know, I when I was in Australia, I saw Ireland play that T Twenty World Cup, and they were looking really good. Um, mm-hmm. They had players who were putting up their hand up in different situations. Even the games that they lost, they were really unlucky to lose some of them, you know, and just, um, uh, sometimes you need the rub of the green to go your way. And they didn't have that. They got a couple of games that got rained out in Melbourne and I was sitting there and um, Hmm. speaking to Balburni, the captain, and he was saying, oh, you know, I wish we we had got this game because this was really crucial. And you could hear that, you know, they were feeling that they were in with a chance. And from there, to see them not even make it to the um, Super 6 stage um, is, is is quite disappointing. I think they'll be very disappointed with their own performance. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's been a massive regression for them in performance. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Scotland has um, found their mojo again. And you know the way they're right. playing. I think that's been a big um, surprise as far as that... Um, uh, qualifier is concerned. I think we all expected Sri Lanka to do well. We all expected Zimbabwe to do well because they're playing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, there's a chance that the mighty West Indies might not be there in the main draw of a World Cup yeah. Yeah. since 1975. And I think a lot of people have still not got over that fact that that could actually happen. And it's got a good chance of happening. Um, yeah. But just just another low... Amongst all the lows of West Indies cricket that we've come to know over the years, um, it's it's a sad, sad day for for West Indies cricket.
0: Yeah, absolutely. See, um, in this group B, you would think Ireland would probably take the place of Oman if you were to ask me before the tournament started. Right, they would go to the super sixes, but they yeah. missed that.
1: Yeah, um, and they will be very disappointed. As I said, you know, um, I know how passionate. All the players playing for Ireland are, I know the kind of hard work they put in. I know how they're playing in professional leagues all around the world. And so mm. it will be a huge disappointment for them not making that that um, Super 6 stage. Um, on the other hand, um, mm. Netherlands, you know, right. your your home country.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: What, a, what a surprise. And I don't know if you know, but there's a Wellington connection to that country. Yes, yes, uh, yes. As well with Logan, one week,
0: yeah. Um, he's been on this podcast, and yeah, um, oh,
1: I see,
0: yes. And I'm very happy that a friend of the podcast did something unbelievable in those last uh, couple of minutes of that game,
1: yeah. So, I've known Logan for a while now because again, local boy plays for the Wellington Firebirds, Mm -hmm. um, does a lot of good things when he's playing club cricket and when he's playing first class cricket. But um, just he he, he absolutely played out of his skin. And um, I don't know if you uh, read that tweet by Joy Bhattacharya the other day, but um, Mm -hmm. about how Logan's grandfather, who used to live live in the West Indies Mm -hmm. um, and played test cricket for West Indies, he played five test matches for the West Indies against Australia, then Mm -hmm. immigrated from the West Indies to New Zealand. Played Correct. three test matches for New Zealand against the West Indies, so he's he's he played against his own ex team.
0: Yes, this is something he had spoken of. Very interesting. He has a good pedigree.
1: Yes, absolutely. And you can't script these things. This is just phenomenal. And now that same Logan one weeks all these years later ends up playing for the Netherlands mm. and uh, scores a match which puts in a match winning performance against his grandfather's old team, which is the West Indies. You know, it's just unbelievable i mean this is like
0: a movie so absolutely yeah. i mean it's it's you're right you couldn't script it even if you wanted to it's exactly. so it's so fantastic i was actually seriously working and then uh, you know the game got closer and closer you you probably uh, didn't think they would have a chance you thought they would fight really hard lose by 20 runs in the end or whatever right but then um the way teja and Idamanuru played the 100 he scored it was the fastest 100 by a Netherlander, of course, in, in ODIs. And that guy had something to prove. He's he's come really good in this tournament, also made a 50. And the captain, he scored three consecutive half-centuries, most of them at strike rate of above 110 or something. And they both added like 143 of 90 balls. So, that's where the game was set up. And then they both got out in like very short interval. And that's when, you know, you again lost hope. I almost stopped following at that point in time. Right. I thought, okay, we'll take a look at what happens in the last two hours. So, in fact, I sat down a couple of my Dutch colleagues who, one of them who just knows the game barely, the other is an Indian expat as well. So he and me, we were following Netherlands and we were hoping they'll get across. Man, I, there was a tactical error there to have a spinner bowl, the 49th over chase. Right. The game started turning there. You know, even today, scoring 30 in a limited hours international in the last two hours is not a joke. But Logan Funbeck made that happen. In fact, he bought it to 29 of 11 and needing only one of the last yep. ball. He was really unlike, unlucky to be out. That was a great catch by Holder. And maybe you yep. could always say Logan could have done more. But come on, he bought them there. And I thought that the tactical mistake of bowling a spinner in the 49th over because he bowled out all his other important bowlers before that point in time, hoping to finish the game off. It didn't. And Logan Funbeck yep. pounced. And I think that hitting set him up. In Such a way that he was given the go in the super over will anybody eclipse this 30 runs in the super over? Do you ever think?
1: I don't think so. I mean, it's a phenomenal performance, and then to come back and pick up two wickets in that uh, with the ball, Absolutely. I don't think anybody's put in a better performance in a super over. Exactly. Um, just to add to everything that you said, um, I think that's the gamble that captains sometimes take, as you rightly said. That he was hoping that he wouldn't have to use that over by the spinner, and he thought that the game would be out of contention by then, mm. and he took that gamble, and and it didn't pay off. I think the other thing that left a lot of people mystified was that um, hope came out in the super over and Correct. not Nicholas Puran.
0: That was that was strange.
1: Yeah, that to me, like, and Puran has got a hundred and couple of hundreds in this tournament already, so. He's, he's in form and I just couldn't understand. I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw Shy Hope coming out. And I was like, I, is this right? And I, was, uh, I don't think it was the best day for the West Indies, hmm. strategically or tactically, as you said. So, yeah, it's they missed a lot of tricks that day. Yeah,
0: Look, he had overs from Kimo Paul and romare Shepard. If you wanted to yes. call upon one of the faster men, neither of them were successful that day, by the way. They went for a lot of runs. Yeah. But I think Romario Shepard sort of also specializes bowling at the death. I mean, yeah. I would have trusted him with the ball instead of uh, chase. I mean, that, that over really broke the chase. I mean, chase broke the chase, so to say. Because um, at even 10 runs more, a couple of big hits less, you know, you could have thought, again, Netherlands would lose... Whatever, much more narrower than you thought. But well, the rest as they say is history. But then what have West Indies left them that left themselves to do? They've made the super over, but as a super six, but they have no points to carry over. Right? They have lost yeah. to both the other teams that are coming, Singapore so yeah. and Netherlands.
1: Yeah, so, and they've left their um, left their fate in other people's hands now. So mm. it's it's gonna be an uphill task from here. And I I mean it'll be a sad day. If they hmm. don't make it. But I think right. the writing on the board as, as far exactly. as...
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the way things are set up, you don't see Sri Lanka or Zimbabwe probably really blundering that much. Zimbabwe will have to lose all their games. Right? I mean, yeah. you really yeah. can't see them do that. And they also no. have games against Oman. Right? So, yeah. it's it's... And that... The defeat against Zimbabwe was already the killer for me. If you ask, right? Yes. That was yeah. not that big a chase. It was less than 300. And West Indian batting was going good in the tournament, right? Like what you already pointed yeah. out. Uh, Puran scored 200s. Their top order has been indecent nick. Their yeah. lower and middle order is really sort of a little bit conspicuous by its absence. Uh, Jason Holder yeah. onwards. That's where it probably cost them the game. Hope played uh, well. And of course, Chase also had played well in that game. So now you see, uh, now it's come down to haunt them. Probably if that finished out the Zimbabwe chase better even this upset could have been ridden out. But now, it it's comp- compounding that sort of mistake where you couldn't win against Zimbabwe. Now, this sudden, out of nowhere comes this upset. And you are now really yeah. out of the turn almost. On the other hand, yep. if you were to look at other groups, Sri Lanka have been clinical. Absolutely, they're bowlers. I think Hasaranga has taken three back-to-back five hours.
1: Yes.
0: Right? And I read a
1: stat somewhere that he's matched the feet of the great Vakar Yunus now. In that, yes, that. Yes. Uh,
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I was about to bring that up. So, it's no mean a feat to actually do this. I think he's too good a spinner for certain teams. I mean, even today with his googly. The only thing I noticed was in one of those games, it was 5 or 79 or something. In a low chase. In a chase where they restricted the opposition under 200, he gave away 79. So that was a bit weird. But nonetheless, it's worth it if you can take 5 wickets, right? The game You're always going to win the game. What are statistics if you can't win the game at the end of the day? So, well done to them. And their top order is suddenly with Sadira Vikrama somewhat looking more mature in this return to Sri Lankan team. I think they are looking more composed as a team. And again, their fast bowlers are not really, really great yet. But you would expect Kasun Rajita, Kumara, they will somehow come good. And the spinners will do enough to make sure, you know, Sri Lanka will win one or two games and that's it. They are going to go to the final. So, it's I really expect Zimbabwe Sri Lanka final. Any chance, you think otherwise
1: um no at this stage it looks like a zimbabwe sri lanka final um so unless of course um we get um, what, you know as we said if one of them drops a game and some of mm. the other teams um, pick up ones here and there uh, then we could but at this stage at least it doesn't look like it looks like a straight um, shootout between sri lanka and zimbabwe for that top spot i think zimbabwe because they're playing at home Will definitely mm-hmm. and Sri Lanka looking in ominous form at the moment in that tournament at least. Um, I also like uh, Dimut Karunaratne at the top. Yes. Uh, yes. I think he's, um, uh, for a long time, they've not had an experienced batter who plays proper cricketing shots at the top. And I think mm-hmm. he just is the calming influence. He is their test captain. You know, so, he's kind of um, got that stature in that team also. So, I think he's a good addition at the top. Um, it reminds okay. me a bit, um, they used to have a guy called Upul Taranga who used to open for them back in the day. Uh, uh-huh. Very good left-hander used to be very technically correct and used to play some gorgeous looking shots through the offside especially. And mm-hmm. Karun Haratane just uh, fits into that mould and he is a perfect uh, long-format player. Um, I think he's the kind of player that can get you uh, 120 ball 100 while the mm-hmm. others can bet around him and in 50 over cricket I think there's a still there's still a place for players like that so yeah good good on them for kind of going back to him and getting some experience in the side so yeah
0: I mean I think he's sort of Made another go at trying to secure a place for himself at the top of the order. Karuna Ratna, for the World Cup and his ideas have succeeded, right? Yeah, I think you can't see a Sri Lankan team without him uh, ODI's at least for this year anymore. So he's done enough there. So that's well done, him. You're also bringing up a valid point, and for West Indies, right? So yesterday, I think Sami said in a press conference that you know this is an actually accurate reflection of where West Indies cricket is. They always managed to pull their weight when it came to. The tournaments, they at least used to qualify or by default be there, right? But they also won a couple of T20 tournaments under Sami, the World Cups. So, this is a big blow. Their longer format is on the way down and so on and they they are being less and less let's say bright when it comes to T20 or ODI World Cups. But this one, missing this altogether, I, I, I really hope this is the wake-up call that turns the West Indian cricket ship around.
1: True and um, yeah, but there have been a few of these calls in the past for them. You know, they've had some real lows, um, and we mm. think, okay, this could be the catalyst, and this could be the catalyst, and this could be the catalyst, and there've been a number of those. I mean, I remember um, West Indies winning an Under 19 World Cup not so long back, uh, mm. which was uh, T20 format, um, uh, but uh, sorry, in the 50 over Under 19 World Cup. There was, I think, might have been the one in Bangladesh that they won. Um, but again, mm-hmm. you know, you thought, okay, at least they've got some youngsters that are going to come through and and do something, you know. But somehow that whole um, structure is not, not producing national team results. I mean, they're great individuals who play around the world and play some fantastic cricket around the world. But uh, yeah. when they come together as a team to play under one flag, it it's it's not working and i don't know west indies cricket well enough um all i know is that they are losing a lot of youngsters who go to america and are playing basketball and Mm. cricket's not the number one preferred game in the west indies anymore um so that is one the second thing i know is that um uh, the board has been dysfunctional for a long time now and they've had heaps of issues um in that sense so yeah there's they've got some major structural and fundamental issues there which uh, are affecting and it's their on-field mm-hmm. performances so yeah i don't know what the answer is and how they're going to come out of that but yeah it's a sad day nevertheless
0: but yeah i mean uh, they have also the let's say, the wisdom that is required in those islands, the former players and administrators. The only problem is, are the right ones doing the right jobs? This is a question. But also, I think eventually it falls down to the captain of the West Indies team, right? It's always the focal point of the West Indies team has been a strong captain with Clive Lloyd, Richard Richards, and up to a point, even uh, uh, you know, uh, Richards. but then, once these great captains went away, the team sort of fallen on the wayside. Sammy may have done his bit, a little bit, for a there and you know here and there but they have not had this stable influence of a captain who's ruthless enough to drive himself and drive the players because as uh, as far as talent goes there's not a lot of question there so it's as you say it's about pulling together as a team and performing when required sort of not letting the team down so uh, you also have a couple of wasted talent some people who walked away from the setup Shimron hetmeyer i think looks like he's on the outs now People like uh, Kimo Powell, who are uh, also part of that uh, under-19 winning World Cup, they have not really transformed their promise to you know, results at the top level. So there are some structural issues as well as well as you know individual temperament issues. So a lot to discuss there, but I hope they really find a way. This is for the good of world cricket itself. Now, um, if you were to have a quick review of the women's Ashes Test, any chance you were, you had a? you know maybe even saw some of these days live potentially i know the time difference makes it tough
1: yeah i mean i did um the thing is these games start at 10 o'clock um new zealand time in, at mm. night and as i mentioned i have a full-time job that i work at from eight o'clock in the morning um, So it, it, it does make it tough but i have i did manage i normally used to catch the first session of on most days and then um I try and catch some of the last session if I woke up a bit early. Um, I, I mean, I've long maintained that you know the beauty of this Australian women's cricket team is that there is just so much talent there, and uh, they are light years ahead of some of the competition that they have in world cricket at the moment. Um, mm. A few a few years back, there was a World Cup which was hosted by New Zealand, a women's world cup. And um, it was uh, the the difference between the Australian women's cricket team and the rest of the world is massive. You could, it was just, I mean, they were um, beating good teams and not just beating them. They were literally um, demoralizing them with, with their performances. Um, mm-hmm. And they are just a class apart. I mean, this is a team that has won against a very strong England side without without their cap normal captain being there, you know. Right. So Meg
0: Lanning she pulled up. Meg Lanning second. not
1: being there, um, mm-hmm. and and they've managed to put in a performance like this. Um, and someone or the other always puts their hand up, no matter what the match situation is, no matter what the game situation is. Um, yeah, I mean, in white ball cricket, you've yeah, superstar after superstar. You know, Beth Mooney is a superstar. Alyssa Healy is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Alyssa Perry is a superstar. Meg Lanning, as we said, is a superstar. And now, suddenly, you get um, Annabelle Sutherland, who just stands mm-hmm. up and puts her hand up and says, okay, I'll do it for the team this time. And just takes the responsibility and and does it. Uh, she also, like Logan VanVeek, comes from a very rich pedigree of cricketers. Okay. Her mm-hmm. brother is Will Sutherland, who's played under-19 World Cup Cricket for Australia and plays yeah, in the Big Bash yeah. currently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's also the daughter of James Sutherland, who is to be the CEO of Cricket Australia and a an right. good ex-cricketer himself. So, yeah, yeah so she's um, uh, she's got... And that 100, um, that timely 100 that she got in the first innings um, was absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, from England's point of view, I think um, Sophie Eccleston, you know, always there and thereabouts. I've got mm-hmm. a lot of time for her because whenever I have watched England play, um, I always look at her figures because she is so economical and she's that typical left-arm spinner who, you know, um, bowls a fantastic line and a fantastic length and just does enough with the ball. And, mm-hmm. um, And she's so hard to score off, especially I think the games against India, she's just literally uh, blocks one end up with all of that. And it's no surprise surprise that she's picked up five wickets in both innings. A few days back, I saw a video of Sophie. She was practicing with the England men's team and she was actually bowling to Ben Stokes in the nets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyone Stokes, he couldn't do anything with her. He All he could do was either defend her of the front foot or go back and try and tap her for a single. But every time Stokes tried to give her the charge, she was just pulling a length back just that much so that he couldn't go through with the shot. It was just uh, about a minute's worth of footage, but it told you so much about Sophie Eccleston and how brilliant she is.
0: Absolutely. I mean, pound for pound, is she the best left arm spinner in the world today? The answer is potentially yes.
1: Potentially, I right? mean yes. Yeah. I mean they'll only—I don't know—on a turning track, maybe Ravi Jadeja comes close to her, or um, yeah, 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 or um, I don't exactly know. Leach
0: himself might not be bad, right?
1: Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But just uh, she's 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 really good. I mean um, that control that she has, and uh, the other one is uh, Jess Jonathan. Uh, you know, she is also mm-hmm. equally good. Um, but there's just something about Sophie, you know, I think the action is a bit more classical that kind of um, tilts it in in her favor.
0: Absolutely. When it comes to the result, you see, they've been doing well. Uh, England, I think they blinked in the last two sessions yeah. and the test was last. I mean, uh, you know, you have to bat out four sessions because it's a high likelihood you'll probably chase this down. The total was not too far beyond their camp. I mean, they'll also regret getting know, letting Australia get away from 6 for 238 when uh, Perry yeah. fell, right? To 473. So, they ended up conceding a 10-run lead when you could expect if they did the same thing they did in the second inning, they should have like a 50-60 run lead. So, that was first of all very decisive. But then, really the credit does, does go to Australia for, you know, they keep fighting. They just believed they could get away with it and they will get there. And they did.
1: Yeah, I just think that chasing... In in the fourth innings, um, hmm. whether it's a four-day test or a five-day test or whatever, is always difficult. And that pressure of the last innings, a wearing pitch, is always going to play its part, no matter where you're playing. Um, it's there's a reason why scores don't get chased down very often in the fourth innings, and um, you're never going to chase them down when you have one bowler like. Um, uh, picking up, you know, uh, Ashley Gardner picking up, uh, yeah, eight wickets in an innings. You know, it's a performance of a lifetime right. from um, her. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it was an uphill task, and I'd, it, I I know what you're trying to say. You know, that it was within their grasp and all of that, but s- yeah, just fourth innings chases are never easy. You know, um, mm-hmm. even if you're chasing 150 in the fourth innings, uh, things can turn to custard. Um, it's just yes. the nature nature of the game, the pressure, the match situation, and and a varying pitch. Um, just just it's a it's a chemistry made in heaven, which is against the batting side. So um, in yeah, this case, yes, yeah, and they've um, yeah Australians never never let go. You know they they are fighters. They will fight until the last wicket falls, and they will fight until the last run is scored. So. Um, I'm sure going into that uh, last innings, they would have said we are well ahead in this game. Actually, we should be the one calling the shots, and um, because when you've got to chase that amount of score in the last innings, I'd always back the bowling side to to win. So right yeah
0: anything about 250 you're mostly in safe territory right you just expect the conditions and the fatigue and other things to kick in yeah and australia both women's as well as men they're playing the more traditional format the more traditional approach where you wear the opposition out the australian men's team showed it very adequately in the first test so did the women now speaking of the counterparts the men's ashes that's currently going on so england have won the toss and will bowl first in the large test so it's it's uh, just a few minutes away from start and well one fantastic stat Nathan Lyon is playing his hundredth consecutive test so it's 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 quite something yeah uh, but are you surprised
1: not at all I mean he's an absolute legend um, he's sitting mm-hmm. on four hundred and ninety five test wickets at the moment and right. I'm backing him to get number five hundred in this test maybe in the second innings um he's mm-hmm. uh, look. What a story again, you know, from someone who was a groundsman to becoming one of Australia's premier spinners. Took up off-spin bowling very late in his life, um, so he's not an off-spinner who you know came through the ranks and bowled through, went through the age groups and whatever. Uh, started bowling very, very late in his life, and um, and now look at him where he is, you know. Um, the fact that he plays majority of his cricket on Australian pitches um, just um, increases the respect you have for the man. And um, I had written this in one of my articles previously, is Australia never, ever go into a test match uh, without Nathan Lyon because they believe he is good enough to pick wickets on any surface. And that's the beauty of a spinner, that if you're a good spinner, you... You don't need a turning track to pick up wickets, and I think you know where I'm heading with this because Ashwin's yes. non-selection yes. still still hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> That's the whole point I made. This point two episodes ago when we were discussing the uh, reviewing the World Test Championship final. See, Ashwin, as well as he has done, he doesn't retain the same trust from the team management. No, that this guy will break the game open. No, he might be the world's top-ranked bowler, even. In tests right so all that apart it's just about distrust. trust and more often times than not lion will deliver will give you those two wickets you're not looking for a bag full of wickets right when you're playing away in let's say unhelpful conditions but one of those testing spells one-on-one afternoon of an hour of really really solid bowling where you'll give two wickets to your captain and the game breaks open ashwin has done it enough times but unfortunately again he doesn't retain the- Uh, trust of the leadership group but were you going to say no were you going to say potentially that this is I've misread this
1: no no absolutely I wrote the same thing in my article as well I said Ah. um, when you lived in New Zealand for a while you will realize that uh, test cricket fans out here don't really rate Ashwin and when you try and find out the reason they call him a Mm. turning track bully but then Mm. The problem is, they call him that because our own team management does not have faith in him to win them a test match in non-helpful conditions. And that is right. the biggest disservice that we are doing to a genius who deserves better. Um, Correct. I, I, you, you know, you put it another way. Would we have ever dropped, if we had a batter who was the number one batter in mm. in test cricket, But had a poor record in England, would we have dropped him for the World Test Championship final? No, we wouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. We we would still play. You would back him.
0: Yeah. I agree. So, But that's the thing, right? Yeah. Bowlers bowlers are not as, uh, let's say, um, agnostic to conditions as batsmen. That's where it goes against what you're made up, your makeup itself, right? But I totally agree in this case. Shardul Thakur was showing that debate, right? So, I'll not go there. But coming back to this one, Lion... Certified genius. Yes. And well, Australian squad has a couple of surprises. So let's quickly go through that because they have brought Boland and they have brought in Mitchell Stark.
1: Yeah. So
0: if ever was a pitch that could be like had Boland on return on it, it was probably this pitch because it's green. It's not very different from the rest of the field itself. Um So England have gone with four um, fast bowlers and they expect uh, let's say people like uh, Jorut to bowl a little bit, maybe even Harry Brook. Right? Because Stuart Broad, James Anderson were not going to get dropped for this one, right? No matter how bad it was in the previous test. Josh Tung has been brought in. Ollie Robinson retains his place. So, probably somebody like Matthew Potts was probably in the next cap of the rank, you thought. But I think Josh Tung he did enough in that one opportunity he got against uh, Ireland, right? So, he's in the 11. And there are no other surprises for England. But Australia, I thought with Cameron Green also in the 11 and him sort of maturing rapidly as a test match bowler, this is a bit of a gamble but then stark is always a gamble right i mean a fit stark in win your world cup in like four balls or whatever which he did in that 2015 finals so this is possible so you would always back him he's also he was also there or thereabouts in the world test championship final he didn't do all that great so do you think this this might go against uh, australia and the results come out in five days time
1: Yeah, I think uh, with Boland, he's very young to test cricket. He hasn't played a lot. And I think for the first Mm. time in his career, he was taken for more than six and over by the the English batters in the last game. And I I don't know how he has reacted to that. You know, sometimes it can be a bit of a setback because you're not used to be treated that way. Uh, You know, he's... His career so far has been exemplary. He just turns up and he picks up wickets. You know, that's that's been modus operandi for him so far. But suddenly, he's he's been faced where people are charging him, people are scooping him, people are doing funny things to his bowling. So, I don't know whether that's played a bit of a, a effect on him wherein he's just started doubting his own skills. Uh, Starks, a wonderful bowler. Um, I think... On a pitch like this, um, if you're playing Lion, you want Stark there because you want him to create some rough outside the off-stump of the right-hander. So Mm -hmm. that also is another reason why I think Stark has and Lion is such a good combo because uh, Stark helps Lion in many ways. So that's another... Creating footholds. Yeah, creating those footmarks and, you know... Um, because from what pictures we've seen so far, the pitches looked um, a lot greener than what Edgbaston was. Um, so it's a, I think it's a good call. I think they m- miss some lower order runs also from Stark. He's been in good batting form, and without mm-hmm. him, that uh, lower order just starts looking a bit longer. I mean, it's great that Cummins scored some runs in the last test in both innings. Right. But up until Mm -hmm. then, Pat Cummins' own batting form hasn't been great. So, uh, in effect, if your batting starts stopping at number 7, then you've got issues. And as we've seen, if these test matches are going to be closed, you need a bit of cushion there. And Stark offers that with the bat. So, all in all, I think think it's a decent decision to get him in the 11. Um, You Mm -hmm. don't want him... Uh, sitting on the bench for too long also, because Stark's the kind of guy that you know he's he wants to be in the middle of the action. Personalities are different and uh, right I think managing personalities is also a huge um, job of team management and coaches nowadays if there are people who are going to get grumpy sitting on the bench. Then you don't want that. And I think captains and team managements know how long they can keep someone like Stark out of the team. Mm. So I think he's keen to make an impression, you know. So I think it's it's a good call. It's a good call to get him. Um then England's it's... England's um, I still cannot understand how Mark Wood doesn't find a place in this side.
0: Interesting point.
1: I said this in my article. I said when you turned up at Ed Beston and you saw a pitch which was as flat as Edgbaston was, you pick three bowlers who are going to give you exactly the same. And I saw a comment today that George Dobell has made, which is also very interesting, wherein he said England are going into this test match with four right-arm seamers, who, or actually five right-arm seamers, if you include Stokes, who all bowl between 79 to 84 miles an hour. And where is the differentiation? In there, You know, you got right, Anderson, right, you've got right. Broad, you got R- Robinson. All three of them do the same thing. So does um, Ben Stokes. And now you've got um, Josh Tang, who's slightly quicker, but he's around at 85 miles per hour mark as well. The real difference mm. is Mark Wood, who can bowl at 155 kilometers an hour. When you had a team at 227 for eight, and you needed two right. weeks to win the test match...
0: Mm -hmm.
1: who does Nathan Lyon want to face you know in that situation would he have been comfortable facing and uh, Mark Wood who is going for his throat I don't think so so uh, sometimes I think we a lot of teams fall into this trap of picking a team for the first morning of the test match and and forget that it's a long game and and I just cannot understand
0: look just a counterpoint right yeah on a flatter deck, somebody like Mark Wood, he may have already been too costly before they ever was going to be a 228 for 8. On a flatter deck, people like Marnas and Smith, people who are like the bankers of the Australian batting lineup, for them, once they are set, people like Wood are would become a, or could become a cannon fodder. See, this is the worry. So, all I am saying is, yes, a 228 for 8, you would want a Wood. But then, would the same uh, bowler have been as effective earlier on had the situation been slightly different if wood uh, if smith or Labushkagne had gotten in and they started rolling uh, the ship around then probably wood would be a liability certainly. so yes hindsight can give you a different perspective but i'm just saying there is another way of looking at it and and hindsight will teach you more and this is unfortunate and this is how things are yeah, yeah.
1: no i i put Totally agree with your um, point. Also, it's just that I think pace is pace. here. Yeah. you take you know um, it takes the pitch out of the equation because if you can hurl a ball at one hundred and fifty-five kilometers an hour, you are basically nullifying whatever the pitch. I mean, you bowl in the block hole, and you know you can get people out. You've just hmm. got a, hmm. got that X factor, as you said. You know, you need someone to break open a game sometimes with with a couple of wickets and um, he could be, you know, Khwaja is known that to is. have issues with the yes. short ball. Uh, Travis Head, Travis Head has been known to have issues with the short ball and who's their best exponent of the short ball in, in the country is Mark Wood and Jofra Archer. Probably Archer's is not here. Mark Wood is here. So I, I don't know. I mean, I just like to think out of the box a bit and, and see if, whether they could have approached this a bit different and I'm surprised they depict tongue ahead of Mark Wood today.
0: Yeah, this this is a relevant point. This is a relevant point. Again, if you have an Anderson and a Robinson with you, you might rather take a Wood than a tongue. But yeah, okay, never you mind. Uh, there are enough puns to be made yeah. there, so I'll wait on that for the whole five days of commentary. But in either case, um, just your prediction for, let's say, start with the second test and the series itself.
1: Um... I mean, the first test has lived up to the hype, pre-series hype of the Ashes. Um, Everyone said it's going to be a close series and the first test was a very close affair. Um, So I'd still go with a a close result. Um, I I just think that it'll be a 3-2 series result. Um, Don't ask me which side is going to be 3 and which side is going to be 2 though.
0: That's just sitting on the fence.
1: (laughs) No, okay, I'll put... uh, I'll tell you what, if my heart says England 3-2, my head says Australia 3-2, I've always been someone who follows my heart, so I'm going to say England 3-2.
0: <laughs> Alright. So, um, in the previous episodes, I've gone with the 2-all result. It, okay. Uh, somewhat weather affecting a test and enough making enough of a difference to cause a draw, but um, let's see if that goes on, but I'll give the second test to England. I expect England to come back hard and Try and take this test. In the meantime, uh, after an hour, a streaker seems to have run on the pitch, apparently. And, yes. Uh, and so on. So, was 4 for no loss as uh, Australia backed. And, yeah, it's going to be an interesting couple of days, at least if you're a cricket fan. So, well, the only other topic that remains actually a very heavy one, Pujara has been dropped from the Indian squad going to West Indies. It's the end of a World Test Championship cycle. Do you see this is the end of the road for Che Pujara?
1: Um... I don't think it's the end of the road because um, knowing Ujara and knowing the kind of character he is, um, he'll continue to pile on the runs and, you know, knock on that door. Um, mm-hmm. See, picking someone else is well and good, but that someone else also has to take that opportunity with both hands and score runs. So if that person doesn't, right, then, then we've got issues. Now... Uh, the funny thing is that we've picked, we've dropped a middle order batter and we picked two openers. So we picked Jaiswal and Gaikwad, who are mm-hmm. both openers, to replace a Pujara, <laughs> who's a right. middle order bat. Uh, we had a middle order bat who was not just knocking on the door, but was breaking the door down in in, in Santraskhar. Yes, yes.
0: This is the other question, right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: But we didn't pick him because, um, and from what it appears, it, um, everybody's saying that it's cricket has got nothing to do with the decision-making there. Yeah, no, to answer your question, no, I don't think this is the end of the road. I mean, did we all think that it would be the end of the road for Rahane? Um Yes, hmm. we did. You know, We didn't see how he could make his way back, but um, cricket teaches us all life lessons and um, and miraculously he found his way back and made it count. And he's he's just bought himself another year in Test cricket, I think, with his performance in the World Test Championship final. In fact, he's now back as the vice captain of the Indian cricket team. So um yeah, it's it's not definitely not the end of the road. I mean, age is not on his side, I do agree. But Pujara will continue to do what Pujara does. He's playing um the Dulip Trophy now in India. Mm-hmm. So he'll pile on the runs yeah. and um, come come the home test season after the monsoons, um, I think Pujara will stake a claim again um, in case someone's injured, in case someone's not informed, he'll always be there and thereabouts. At least for another 12 to 18 months, I think that fire will be burning. Beyond that, it might be difficult.
0: Alright. That's that's a reasonable timeline as well to look forward to. Last question was about Safra, right? So, what more does he need to do, or does he need to do something less?
1: Uh, there's a old saying in cricket, you know, you just let your bat do the talking, and he has let his bat do the talking. But I think sometimes anyone who's known Indian cricket for a long time will know this: that sometimes you could be doing everything right, but you don't end up playing for the country. I mean, I'm old enough to know a guy called Amol Muzumdar, oh, yeah. who just piled on runs after runs and runs after runs and runs after runs and never managed to play for the country. And he he was just exactly. unlucky because he was born in an era when the Indian Middle Order had uh, Tindulkar and Dravid and Lakshman and Ganguly in it.
0: Exactly. That's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah, but and for no fault of his, he never played hmm. a game for India ever. From what we hear in the media, um, non-cricketing reasons are proving to be
0: indeed, yeah, yeah, in
1: Surfas Khan's way. So uh, I guess if that, if that's the only thing stopping him from playing for India, then I think it's in his own hands how he makes sure that he just scores runs and does nothing else. You know, um, at the end of the day, um, f- we all have worked in corporate environments and we know that we have to mm. hit our KPIs. Mm. But while doing those, if we do it in a nice way, um, then bonuses come away and and that's just um, what sometimes you have to learn as a youngster. Um, that just because you're scoring runs, uh, you will not get picked. You also need to be ticking a lot of other boxes sometimes to to make sure that um, you you get picked. And uh, it's a tough tough pill mm-hmm. for someone as as talented as him to swallow. Um, but I think uh, someone needs to put an arm around him and and sit down with him. And who better than someone like an MS Dhoni or someone to you know put an arm mm-hmm. around him and tell him, "Don't worry, you just keep scoring runs and do nothing else apart from that. And one day you will get picked." You know, I think that's that's all it takes.
0: As you say, I mean, there are enough uh, good leaders. In and around the team, uh, also maybe people like Rahul David may have already spoken to him. We don't know this, right? So people who work in the NCA previously, yeah, uh, Lakshman, the likes of those, they may have already had a chat. But yeah, I mean, also the attitude. Look, it's tough to judge these things when you're not in the environment. But yeah. a couple of couple of a couple of people with a bit more spark, as they say, might not be a bad thing. Um, in, I mean, each each person is an individual and. When it comes to his fitness as well, there's been quite a lot of talk and so on. So, okay. As I said, um, we don't know enough, but all we know is at least the people who are uh, the current leaders and management, they're not comfortable, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting because uh, Rohit Sharma is the captain of India and Rohit Sharma plays post-class cricket for Mumbai. So I'm Mm. sure that, you know, um, there's some sort of communication that's gone on um, because if my captain... Right if the guy who plays first-class cricket for the same team that I play is the captain of the Indian cricket team, I'd send him a text and say, boss, what else do I need to do? And he would potentially send him a reply and and you know tell him what, it, what, what the issues are. And mm-hmm. I hope it gets sorted. I know I've had the pleasure of meeting Rohit Sharma a couple of times at press conferences and he's such a chilled-out guy and mm-hmm. he's got no airs about himself or always happy to help youngsters and have a chat and have a yarn and even, you know, uh, his interaction with the media is, is, is fantastic. So, I'm sure that he'll he'll send a quiet message through someone or maybe directly and let Safras know what what's going on and what he needs to do. Right.
0: I mean, he'll figure it out and for his sake, I hope he does it very quickly because sometimes, you know, by the time you've learned the other lessons of the field, your form has sort of waned and you're no longer the same power or the same force that you once were on the field so let's hope he discovers it in time okay those are all the main topics we wanted to discuss so thank you very much for a wonderful chat it's been a very deep and insightful one so i'm not at all surprised when your experience so speaking of experience would you like to plug some of your work current future
1: um yeah so as i said i write for a website called sportsfreak.co.nz. So if any listeners want to go and see any of my work, please feel free to to go there and, and follow me. Give me a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, my handle is rahulpatilnz, nice and simple. Um, so yeah, find me on Twitter. And um, yeah, all my articles go up there as well. Um, any feedbacks, welcome. Um, so yeah, those two are the main... Places, places to look out for me at the moment. Um, as in when I do work on radio and stuff like that, I will be posting links of that as well. And uh, yeah, but Twitter is probably the best best place to to follow what I do. And uh, sportsfreak.co.nz is the best website to read my current work.
0: Also, good luck with uh, some anticipatory news for next week. And I uh, hope you get to go to India and cover the World Cup from New Zealand's perspective.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Ajit.
0: Um, we wish all our listeners a good day wherever they may be listening from and uh, thanks once again to our guest bye bye
1: this is the Armchair Cricket Podcast